0: Father, we thank you once again this morning. Father, even as we now come to the ministry of the word, pray Father that you would touch, anoint each one of us. Speak to our hearts, O Lord. Cleanse us, wash us. Father, let the washing of by the washing of water by the word sanctify us and make us a little less spotty, O Lord, this morning separate us to yourself, anoint us even as we speak and even as we hear, speak to our hearts, in Jesus name, Amen. Um, It's just been trying to, uh, building upon the theme of uh, of the series that we're going through in our church, the series on salvation, we've looked at uh, salvation in different uh, dimensions over the past uh, few Sundays and even through the Wednesdays. So today this, we will look at another dimension of uh, sa- salvation, we will look at it, uh, we will build upon that theme. I titled today's message as, uh, are you sheepish or soulish? Uh, that's what you become when you have uh, an English professor as your senior pastor, it will just get rubbed onto you, so you start playing on with words yeah it's fun definitely intended yeah okay so sheepish it's not that sheepish uh, it's not that uh, it's different are you a sheep or are you of the soul or are you, are you a sheep that's the idea here uh we'll try to see what it means what it does what does it mean to be sheepish or soulish so let's uh take a deep breath get this get some oxygen into our lungs and you know I remember when my parents were teaching me, you know, when I was a kid, um, I, my mother is, you know, she's here. It's very tough, okay. If she sees any hint of me yawning, I had it. Okay, so, you know, that's what she used to say, you know. Uh, and so any yawning, she would just, you know, catch, catch it. So I used to be very, very careful, but sometimes, you know, it just comes out. You can't help it, right? I used to say that, and then she said, you just look at me, I said, Moma, oxygen content, mom I'm just taking it. A- <laughs> so, you know, I just, just have to apply that principle even here. People start yawning, and they say, oh, I'm just taking oxygen, okay, i'll give that to you so let's take a deep breath and that becomes also a part of the service today of the sermon just uh, pay attention so we looked at salvation in terms of a judicial term and we looked at that in romans chapter 8 we know that uh, it's a judicial term where god declares us not guilty okay the highest court in the universe in the universe declares us not guilty not only that not only he declares us not guilty; it also says, "You are righteous." That's what salvation is, uh, and that's what we looked at in um, uh, in our, one of our uh, studies here a few Sundays back. So Romans chapter eight, verse thirty-one onwards will say, "What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but delivered him for a, for." Delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Why? Because who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. You see, if God does not justify you, it doesn't matter which court in this universe declares you not guilty. You are still guilty. And if God justifies you, it doesn't matter which court in this world calls you guilty you are still not guilty that is what it means yeah okay and then then it continues and says who who is he to condemn it is christ who died and furthermore is also risen and who's also seated at the right hand of god who also makes intercession for us he's forever at the right hand of the father making intercession for us that is what we looked at salvation being a judicial term where god uh, declares us righteous but that's just the beginning isn't it that's the, just the beginning of salvation where just we, we, we've been made right with god and so many believers stop there but there's a whole process of salvation which is which god wants to accomplish in us and therefore it is it's called something very specific in the bible it's found in hebrews chapter 7 look at look at what it says i mean just look at uh, keep this in mind Christ at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Why is he making intercession for us? What is the purpose of this intercession? Hebrews chapter 7, we'll talk about that. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23 onwards. And there are many priests, high priests, because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, that is Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. What, so what does he do? Therefore, he is able to save... That's the word, salvation or to make whole to the uttermost. Those who come to God through him since he always lives forever to make intercession for them. So what is he doing? So the whole idea of salvation is just not to make us right with God, but to save us to the uttermost. It's a salvation to the uttermost. So you'll ask the question, what does it mean to be saved to the uttermost? looked at this several times. But look at uh, one look at it one more time to see what it means. What is salvation to the uttermost mean first uh, Thessalonians chapter five verse twenty three and twenty four Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. you see uttermost, and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will. It. So what, is he, what does salvation to the uttermost mean? He wants to save us not only in our spirit, completely. Not only in our spirit, but also in our soul. And not only in our soul, but also in our body. Salvation to the uttermost. He wants to save us in our spirit. He wants to save us in our soul. And he wants to save us in our body as well. Three. That is salvation to the uttermost. So it begs the question, therefore, what is, Is salvation all about? And why do we need salvation at all these three levels? You see, Bible has an answer for that. And it gives us the reason why as to why we need salvation at these three levels. The question therefore is, what is man? You know that? Psalm? Yeah? Psalm 8? Look at this. Psalm 8 verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Derek Prince, he preached a series of uh, uh, radio podcasts called What is Man? I'm, and this particular sermon is inspired by that study. I've been studying it for quite some time now. And this is, this is what he, I mean, I learned from several men of God. This is not original, but it is inspired. Okay. As they say. Uh, if you copy from one guy, it is plagiarism. If you do your research, it's basically copying from several people. So I did the same thing. I studied from several men of God. And this is something which I learned. And you know something, uh, there's nothing new. Yeah. What, is, what we share is new for us. But it is not new for God and so many saints who have gone before us. So we learn from them. Okay. But we also, I mean, uh, and we also study it and apply it in our own lives and in our own context. So, what is man that you are are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. And the word angels over there comes from the Greek or Hebrew word Elohim, which also is translated as God. So, It also can be translated as angels. You made him a little lower than angels. And what did you do? You crowned him. The word crown him is essentially to cover him from all directions. That's exactly what God did when he created Adam. He was naked, yes. But he also crowned him, covered him with what? With glory and with honor. And you made him to have dominion over all of your works. That is how God created man. He created man. And he g- covered him with his glory. And so exactly what happened when man fell, what happened? The glory of God departed. That is the reason why it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what happened when Adam sinned? He fell short of the glory of God and God's glory departed and suddenly he realized that he was naked. Alright. So how, so what is, so therefore the question therefore is, what is man? how was he made, and why does he need salvation at these three levels, is a question. Okay? Why does he need salvation? At these three levels. Alright? So be good students today. I'm going to teach you a little bit of Hebrew. Is that okay with you? Yeah? Yeah. So, Genesis chapter 1. This is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let, not me, let us there's already a plurality over there. There's a plurality in God. So God is triune, yet one, single. Here, O Israel, the Lord your God, and the Lord is one. At the same time, God, in essence, is one. But when he is manifesting himself, he manifests himself into in, in three. In three, that is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so th- therefore, this is what he said. Let us make man in our image, according to Our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So what did, what, what did God do? God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. It is not maleness or femaleness. It is not maleness. Yes. It's interesting now. There are two, in some of the uh, application forms in the United States and in the West, you have sex and gender. What? Sex, male. Gender, I feel. Female. And If you do not address them with their preferred pronoun, they will get really upset with you. It's amazing. It's happening right now in this time in our generation. Oh, there's this one guy who suddenly became female. And then there's one conservative guy. His name is Ben Shapiro. If you're how many, of you've heard his name, Ben Shapiro, man, you gotta listen to him. He just literally tears his opponents apart. I love to hear him. Okay, Ben Shapiro. He's, he's, he addressed this guy as sir, and he was so offended. How dare you call me sir? And he looked at him and he said, uh, "But you're biologically every chromosome in your body is X Y, Baba. So why should I not call you sir?" if you call me sir again, you'll go home in an ambulance. This is what he said, on camera, on television, on national television. So it's very important for us, my dear brothers and sisters, male, and, well, I, I remember Raj's uh, wedding, right, Pastor James, and I was translating in Television I made a mess of it, okay, but that apart. part. He was telling Raj, male, and female Raj. Apu. You be a woman, Raj. Be a man. Don't confuse. Because we're coming to. I'm telling you honestly. Yesterday, Pastor was praying something during the uh, fasting and prayer. If you were there yesterday uh, at the end of the fasting and prayer, he said, "Lord, let there be one generation, Lord, at least one generation in our midst who will be innocent of evil and excellent at what is good." What a challenge. I was like, Lord, make us parents who will really build up our children and tell them if they are male, how to be men. And if they are female, how to be women. It's very important for us because God created that way. Maleness. It's, 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 It's incredible. It's just come even into our own country. We were supposed to be one of the most conservative countries in the entire world. With the under under the most conservative uh, political parties uh, called RSS and Bhajpa, Uh, I mean it's interesting, right? Remember when the when the Bhajpa came first, Bharatiya Janata Party, when they came to the power first, they passed a law banning pornography. Remember that? How many of you know? 2016, 2017, they they passed a law banning pornography, and there's a there's a website uh, which is pro BJP. And in that, there was a poll. How many of you agree with the government's decision? Now, any time there was something about the government, I would always say no, and I would always be in the minority. Because uh, Rediff is a BJP website. Okay. So it's interesting. During that time, when 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 when, the, when they said, "Do you agree with the government's decision to ban pornography?" I said, "For once, I agree." I said, "Yes." You know what happened to me? I was still in the minority. I was still in the minority. It's amazing. So, very important for us to understand who we are. There's a tremendous confusion because we do not know. And our kids are growing in this generation, having no idea what's going on. And finally, if they go to school and one guy says, don't call me she, call me he. Say, what? You see, they're confused. It's not maleness or female. it is not, doesn't matter how you feel, God created you X, Y, X, X. Am I right, Dr. Richard? Thank you. You see, he created him that way. And how did he create him? What is the process? Genesis chapter two verse seven. This is how we. How, this is how it's, it's been. It's been explained. It's detailed now how God created man in His image, in our image, plurality. So how did He create man as a plurality? Is a question, right? So Genesis chapter two verse seven. We'll talk about that. And He says, "The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground." So. All the organic molecules, he just took it like that. No, they are all biological beings. So he just took all the organic molecules from the dust and he made it something like that. And then what did he do? He breathed on him, into him, uh, his breaths, And Adam became a what? A living soul. So what is it? How did he breathe? Nostril to nostril, mouth to mouth, breathed into him. very breath of God, Adam became the living soul. A combination of the breath of God and the dust from the earth made Adam and he became a living soul. It's very interesting how it's rendered in the Hebrew. Just made a small graphic for us because we're all graphic creatures. First, what, what did God do? He took the dust and he made man from the dust of the earth. That's what he says in Psalm 139. In the secret parts of the earth you formed me. Every part of my body detailed it. That's what the DNA has. 3.6 billion bits of information. Three point six. Billion bits of information. pooh, <laughs> Crazy. And look at the permutations and combinations which are possible with 3.6 billion. 10 to the power of. <laughs> or 3.6 billions to the power. I, I don't know. I just want to forget about that. Okay. So what did he do? He breathed on him. How did he breathe on him? There's a Hebrew word. Vayepach. It's a. Everybody say that. Vayepach. You know, it's like the Mallus have the parram. Uh, how many of you can say You can't. Hebrews have a, a very interesting uh, consonant called the het. It's a guttural sound. Chai, my life. Chai, life. So, chai, how did it come? Because... God breathed his Ruach. That is the breath of God. Why He He made a guttural sound. The self-existing God breathes Entered into his nostrils. And what do you have? You have a Nefesh. Say that. Nefesh. What is Nefesh? It's very interesting. Nefesh. How many of you snow? Don't know. Sometimes... I can hear my snore. And I know it very vividly. Nefesh. 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 Breathe in. Breathe out. Everybody, do that. Nefesh. Nefesh. What happened? God breathed into him. His breath. And Adam became a living soul. Now think about it. Very interesting. Observations. and God. Makes. Adam. How? By breathing his spirit. Making him into a living soul. And giving him a body. Encapsulating the soul. And the spirit. That's what he does. There's a divine order over here. What does it tell me? You see, nefesh by definition, if you stop breathing, what happens to you? You die. In other words, man cannot live without breathing. Right? You can't live without breathing. In other words, he is deep Dependent upon the breath of God to keep him alive. The moment he stops breathing, he's dead. It's interesting, right? I told my daughters, we were were looking at this National Geographic and I was telling them, "The, the whales, you know, they don't breathe underwater. They take a deep breath, and a deep breath, and a deep breath, and a deep breath. And and they go down underwater, and they hold their breath for several hours. They were looking at me like that. They couldn't believe it. And then, you know, I I showed them, no? The, 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 The whale comes on, and it does. You see, it's precisely that. You stop breathing, and you are dead. So what man was made in his soul, by definition, soul could never be independent of its creator. That's how God made us. Triune God created a triune man. So that he should be the representative of God on the earth. Spirit of God is self-existent. But soul is dependent upon the spirit of God To receive life and to maintain life. But to receive and to maintain. To receive and to maintain. Therefore, there is divine order, by the way. See, God is a God of order. He does not create anything without order. We are all disorderly people. We believe in the fourth law of thermodynamics. What does it mean? Everything is tending towards disorder. It's interesting, right? It's very interesting, actually. Just don't do anything to your room. I mean, (laughs) for some children, you don't have to do anything. It's always like that. But you, all the parents come and do everything and just clean up the room, put everything in order. What happens? Disorder. Why? I'll tell you. Why? Because God created us with order. How did he create us? He created us the spirit. He created a spirit of man within us. Breathed into us his life and the soul was dependent upon the spirit and the body followed the soul. Soul dependent upon the spirit, body depending upon the soul. That is the hierarchy in man. So there are three things. So man, when he was created, was three parts. What was he? How many parts? Three parts. He had a spirit. He had a soul. And he had a body. So let us try to elaborate as to what these three parts are a little more detail, in a little more detail. Spirit in the Greek comes from the word pneuma, from which we get the word pneumatic, something which depends upon air, pneumatic pump and pneumatic whatever, okay? Spirit is God conscious. Okay? Soul, from which we get the word psyche or psychology, which comes from the word, from which the word psychology is derived, psyche, is self-conscious. Spirit is God-conscious. Soul is self-conscious. Soul, in other words, soul has, obviously we know, three parts, three constituent elements. It says, I want, that is its will. I think, that is intellect. I feel, it's the emotion. And then, of course, we have the body, which is what we call, which in Greek it's called soma, which is world conscious through the five senses. So you have spirit, which is God conscious, soul, which is self-conscious, and body, which is world conscious through the five senses. And what does the spirit say? What does the soul say? I will, I think, I feel. And today you can feel very good, exuberant. That is the reason why we need worship leaders, no? Are you feeling very low today? Why are you feeling so low? If you are having a very tough week, come to the Lord. That is what the worship leaders will say. Because we are like that. One day we are here, the next day we are down. One day we feel very good, the next day we don't feel very good. One day we think very well, the next day we don't think very well. You see, we are all topsy creatures. That is what the soul is. That is the reason why the psalm writer will say, we sang that song, right? Uh, As a deer pads for the water. So my soul pants for you. And the next verse, Psalm 42 verse 5, this is what it says. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? <laughs> Why do you feel so disquieted? Why are you so anxious? Why are you so anxious? You see, you see, you need to understand. The unregenerate man is very self-conscious. He's conscious about his soul. So you read many of the Greek philosophers, the Aristotelian philosophy or the Platonian philosophy, everybody talked about the psyche. But they never talked about the pneuma. So whenever they wanted to solve people's problems, they would say, this is either a mental problem. This man is mental. Or it's a biological problem, hormonal imbalance. How many of you have heard that? Today, his hormones are kicking. And because of that imbalance, he's moody. Or she is moody. Who, whoever that person is. So, but there is only one other, other problem, which is both mental and physical, or that is dental. Some problems are physical, some problems are mental, but the one which is both is dental. Okay? So, we have, that is the reason why we have people who have psychological, uh, that is a psychological problem, they will say. Or they will say, that is a biological problem. If it is a combination of both. For example, if you have ulcer. Go to the doctor. You have ulcer. Brother, uh, you have an ulcer. Okay, I will treat the ulcer. But the reason you are having ulcer is because you are anxious about something. Anxiety. That is causing causing ulcer. So what should I do? Take the tablet. And don't feel anxious. Ah, How can I? Don't feel anxious. How can I stop feeling anxious? So that's, that's all they can say. With all the theories and everything, they'll say, go to some place and forget about reality. Go to the movie theater and forget about your life. What happens? You'll go to the movie, you'll watch the movie, and the problem is right back, and you'll feel anxious again. All you will do is, for a temporary period, you'll forget about your problem. So sometimes you have a problem which is both psychological and physiological. That's what we call as psychosomatic problems, right? Which is both psychological and biological. An unregenerate man is very, very, very conscious about his soul because he's very self-conscious. He understands that part. But one thing he's close to is not is close to the spirit because only God can reveal the spiritual problem through his word. That is the reason why. What does the word what does the Bible say? The word of God is what? It's like a two-edged sword. What does it do? It divides the soul and the spirit spirit, the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Everything is clear. So God can do a perfect diagnosis. That is the reason why it says the word of God is like a mirror. So we know that we cannot see every part of our body except except mirror. mirror is the only thing that I mean, if you go to our gym, you can see all three dimensions. And that also. And sometimes the gym will also lie to you because they will make mirrors which will make you look as if your belly is flat. When somebody takes a video and then shows it to you, you'll see your pot belly and you'll say, oh Baba, those mirrors lie. But God's mirror does not lie. It shows you exactly how you are. Okay. So we are all conscious about our soul, no? Why are you cast down? Oh my soul. So what happened? During the rebellion. When man rebelled, what happened? Man's rebellion. So, because of the rebellion, three levels of effects took place. Rebellion, that is, disobedience to God, affected our spirit, affected our soul, and affected our body. All three. That is the reason why salvation is spirit, soul, and body. Rebellion affected all three. So what does it do? I mean, let, us, let us try to see. We looked at it in several contexts, but let us just go back and see what is, what is a rebellion. What is rebellion? How does it affect our spirit? Isaiah 59 verse 2. But your iniquities or rebellion separated you from God. So God is spirit. Anybody who worships God must be worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. The moment you rebelled, your spirit was cut off from God. That is what we call a spiritual death. Ephesians chapter uh, 4 verse 18. They were They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. You see that? Because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Alienated from the life. God's life is cut off. From us because of our rebellion. Why? Because Job's, Job's, uh, Job 32 verse 8, this is what it says. But it is a spirit in man, the breath of the almighty that makes him understand. You see that? It is a spirit in man, the breath of the almighty that makes him understand. And what happened? That spirit got cut off from God and he became dead in his spirit. That is what happened at the spiritual level. Cut off from God. Ephesians chapter 2. And you who are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit which is now working in the sons of disobedience. What happened? You became dead in your trespasses because you were separated from the life of God through the spirit. But the problem is, you're still breathing. Right? So what are you breathing? You're breathing the spirit of disobedience, the prince of the power of the air. What is animating you is not the spirit of God. It is a spirit of the devil. That is air, See, every, I'll tell you honestly, one of the things that I've realized over a period of time, every decision a man takes, whether generate or regenerate, or unregenerated or, genera- or regenerated, you know what? Every decision is spiritual. Every decision. There's nothing, what do you say, uh, neutral in the physical realm. Spirit died and it got separated from the life of God. What happened to the soul? What happened to the soul? When Adam sinned, he was tempted from outside or from inside? Outside. When he sinned, he was Tempted from outside. But after the fall, what happened? An inner force of rebellion became resident in man. What happened? An inner force of rebellion became resident in man. In Romans chapter 5 verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world. And death through sin, death spread to all men. Because? all send in use chess. You know, what, what happens because of that? You don't have to have any external influence to, to make you sin. There is already something inside of each one of us, which will cause us to sin. Remember, pastor was talking about the fifth column. You know, the, the fifth column, the story of the fifth column. There was a Spanish inquisition that was taking place and the commander divided his troops into four columns. So one guy came and asked him, which column is going to win? Column number one, two or three or four? He said, none of these, the fourth column, the fifth column. Where is the fifth column? It's right inside the town. They're going to break it from inside and I'll just have to go and conquer it. That's exactly what happened to man. Deep down inside each one of us, there is a desire which got corrupted. Desires are not wrong per se. They got corrupted because of sin. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And you, he made alive, who were dead in your trespasses. You one, once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of, of, power of the air. And you, uh, and now, uh, which works in, uh, in the sons of disobedience. And then he says, next verse will say, very interesting. Among whom also, we also once conducted ourselves, whereby by nature, we became what? Children of wrath. By nature. So there's a nature inside of us, and that is the reason why uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 51, verse 5: "Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my soul, in my sin, uh, and in sin my mother conceived me." You see that? Sin is a nature, entered into man. You know that? We don't become liars because we lie, but we lie because we, we lie because we are a lie, essentially. All right. I looked at that in several places, and one more verse to 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 sum it up. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. But everyone is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. And is enticed. When desire has conceived, it births sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth Death. So what happened at the soul? Spirit got cut off from God. We became dead in our spirit. What happened to the soul? Soul. Let us read this together. Soul which was never created to be independent becomes the boss. (laughs) What I think is important. I get to decide what is true and what is false. What I feel is important. I get to decide whether I like pleasure. Or whether I like fan, whatever. No. What I feel, what I want, what I think, that becomes important. And as a result of this, what happened? Look at Romans chapter 1. This is powerful. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. But became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And then what happened? Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. And then, it doesn't stop there. For this reason, God gave them to wild passions. For the, for even their women exchanged their natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the women burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which is due. <laughs> and even though they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, what happened? They became, God gave them over to a debased mind. They are filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and evil-mindedness. And goes on. They are gossips. They're not, they don't, they're not gossipers. They themselves are gossips. Backbiters, haters of God, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Isn't it interesting? You don't have to teach your child to be disobedient. They will not say today morning. They will not get up in the morning and say today I want to be disobedient to my mama. No, this is coming. That comes naturally. It's there deep down inside of them. It's normal in our generation. Undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving and unforgiving. That's what happened to the soul. Became a rebel. Third, effect on the body. Body became a body of sin. What is body of sin? If I say, this is a sailboat. What would you say? What is it? What do I mean by a sailboat? It is a boat which is driven by the wind. Body of sin. Body which is driven by sin. Body which is driven by sin. Another place. Sin. Let not sin. And you start obeying its passions. And another place. Body of sin. Sorry. Uh, and our members become members of sin. Alright, let's let's move on. That is what happened to our body. Finally, I just want to look at the sum of all these things. First, soul, the spirit is gone, soul takes over, sin comes inside, and the body becomes body of sin, which we also call the flesh. And therefore, what happens? There is an inward moral corruption and outward bodily decay. Ultimately, we die. Physically and morally. Corruption is irreversible. All right. Therefore, what is God's plan of salvation? So how does he how does he Get man back on track. That is important for us to understand. How does he bring man back on track? That is something which you want to look at. First thing. What is not God's plan of salvation? That is important. Okay? What is not? God's plan of salvation is not doing good. God's plan of salvation is not that, okay, do all this. Uh, keep the Ten Commandments. So, or if you are a Buddha, a Buddhist, you have, you know, remember pastor was talking about it last time. Or if you are uh, a Christian, walk by the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you walk by the Sermon on the Mount? Anybody? Are we having a series? Sermon on the Mount? How? Impossible. See, we don't become better because of keeping rules. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 21. Is the law against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been given a law, which could have given life. You see that? Truly righteousness would have been by the law. So, why? It's very simple. Let's read this together. Dead person needs life, not law. (laughs) Dead person, keep the Ten Commandments, he can't. He's dead. Keep the Sermon on the Mount. He can't. In fact, he'll make him even more miserable. He's dead. That is the reason why it says repentance from what works? From dead works. Doesn't matter how much you have, you know, done so much good, so many righteous deeds given to the poor or etc, etc, etc. That's what happened to Cornelius, right? He's given to the poor. What happened? Ultimately, it says in Romans chapter, I mean Acts chapter 11, they were all surprised that God has granted repentance to the Gentiles. They still had to repent. So you don't become right with God or alive with God by keeping the law. The Lord does not save you. It only condemns you even more. So what does God do? He has a different plan. How many of you remember the story of Elijah and the woman? Widow. Remember the story of the widow? Widow's son dies. What does the woman say? Why did you come to my house? Did you come to bring my sins back to remembrance? What does Elijah do? Takes the child inside. Shuts the door. Puts him on the floor. Sleeps on him. Puts his lips into his lips nostrils into his nostrils and he prays to God, says, Lord, bring this guy back to life. What has happened? He's literally doing exactly what God did, the, did in the creation through the gospel. He's preaching to the dead person and the dead person comes back to life. That's exactly what God does to each one of us. What does he do? He preaches to us the gospel. And what does he preach? He preaches the word to us. This is exactly what it says in the Bible. In uh, John's gospel chapter 3. Jesus answered and said to him. Most assuredly I say to you. Unless you are born from above. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again of the spirit. And of the water. You cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What does that happens? There you have a dead man. He has to listen to the word of God. He has to have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And then he is made alive in the spirit. That is the reason why John's Gospel chapter 16 verses 8 to 11 will say, when he comes, that is the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of what? Of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He will convict the word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit brings repentance. There's a specific message that has to be preached. And that is the only way God saves people through the preaching of the gospel. And that is the reason why you have so much of opposition to the preaching of the gospel. What's specific about the gospel? That is important. John's gospel chapter 3, verse 8, Ephesians chapter 2, sorry. It says, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our, in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Notice that. Made us alive together with Christ. Meaning, Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ was risen from the dead. We also died with him. We were buried with him. And we also rose up with him. That is exactly what salvation is. That is the message of the cross. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be what? Born again. You see that? Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The message of the cross. The message of the preaching of the cross. I'll I'll share with you a very interesting story. I was reading the other day. By the way, I'm just being ana- enamored by Richard Wumran. Richard Wumran wrote a book called The Sweetest Song. It's a, con- it's a commentary on the Song of Songs, Song of Solomon. How many of you read Song of Solomon? How many of you understood it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's very difficult to understand. And he wrote a commentary on the Song of Songs. I've never heard anything like that in my entire life. I just read through the six chapters. Just read the first chapter of Powerful. And this is, it shares a story about a set of communist guys who were arrested and was put in prison during those days the communists used to arrest the communists and they, they used to hate one another then they put him in prison and they were supposed to be executed the next day so there were four communists in the prison five communists in the prison all they knew that they, tomorrow they're going to die so they were all pacing up and down all scared so one guy was singing safe in the arm of Jesus, safe in the arms of Jesus, safe in the arms of Jesus. Keep on singing that. And the other guy said, what is that song? And he said, you know what? When I was a small boy in a Sunday school, my mama's mama taught me this song. And after that she died and this song remained with me. Safe in the arms of Jesus, safe in the arms of Jesus. So tomorrow I am believing that I will be safe in the arms of Jesus. And the other guy said, but I also saw that one, once when I went to the Orthodox Church, you know, by the way, Russians have an Orthodox Church, I saw this Jesus was crucified on the cross. He was, he was dead. So how can you be safe in the arms of a man who's dead? Oh, safe in the arms of Jesus? But this man is dead. And suddenly, there was a third guy who said, Hey, hey, hey wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know something? You know what is the first day of the week called in Russian? Vokshen. You know what it means? Resurrection. Oh, so we can be safe in the arms of Jesus. He died for my sins. And he's also risen from the dead. All three got saved. And they went to their execution singing, safe in the arms of Jesus, safe in the arms of Jesus. The message of the cross. Born again. Made right with God. Three parts. He talks about another story. You know, he used to live in a place uh, where there was to be pub ar- across his home. One day he preached in the morning and he preached against drinking. And because Russians were, you know, vodka, right? Yeah. For those people who know that familiar spirit. Okay. So so they just get drunk on vodka like anything. So there was so he preached against drinking one day and in the evening he was just about to retire and something was telling him, Dress up and go to the pub across the street. he just got up and he dressed up and he said, uh, and the wife said, where are you going? Something is telling me that I should go to the pub across the street. And she said, come on, right in the, just in the morning, you preached against drinking and now you're going, they laugh at you. He said, you also come get dressed up and you also come. They will laugh at both of us. And she being a submissive wife, she also got dressed up and both of them entered into this pub. And in the pop even as they entered they could hear loud sounds in russian one guy with his with his pistol shooting into the skies saying if you don't give me another drink i will kill you by that time he was totally drunk already they have they've have given him so much to drink And he's asking for more and he says, I'm going to shoot you. Everybody's hiding. And then Pastor Richard Wumbran enters into the the pub and he quietens the guy and he says, don't worry about it. I'm going to handle the situation. Uh, Get me a glass of wine. So, and he went and talked to that guy in Russian because nobody could understand. They were all Romanians. They couldn't understand Russian. He was the only guy who could speak Russian. He spoke to him in Russian, calmed him down, made him sat around the table and he said, bring the glass of, bring that bottle of wine and three glasses. of so that That guy promptly brought the glass of wine and he said, Pastor Richard Wumran, thank you so much. From now on, you can drink in my pub forever for free. So, and he says, you know, there's, a, there's always benefits of uh, preaching the gospel. Uh, but anyway, so he poured three glasses. He doesn't drink. She doesn't drink. That fellow promptly drank all three glasses. And then he started, you know, these people, they don't care. I'm going to shoot them. I'm going to kill them. They don't give me a drink. And he said, calm down, calm down. Take it easy. Take it easy. Tell you, Don't worry about all this. And something told him, you know, just, you know he told, I love you. He told him in Russian, I love you. And he looked at him suspiciously and said, why do you love me? And he gave started giving him the gospel, you know, because there was a, there's a God who became a man, and he died on the cross for our sin. And if you believe in him, you will have assurance of salvation. Simple. And that guy looked at him and he said, "Now I know that you're a pastor. I recognize that you're a pastor." And he said, "How come?" And you know what he said? Because I was also once a pastor. Richard is shocked. He said, what? You're a pastor? What happened to you? The communists came to my town. They threatened me. If I don't give up Christianity, they will shoot me. And therefore, I came under pressure. And I gave in to their pressure. And I gave up Christianity. And one day, they put the gun in my head. And they said, kill your brothers. Otherwise, we will kill you. And because of that, I shot my brothers. And I'm loaded with guilt. And I I want to forget my sorrows. Richard said, Oh, so you're a pastor? Yeah. He said, yeah, I'm a pastor. You know the Apostles Creed? Yeah, I know the Apostles Creed. So you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Yeah, I believe just Jesus is the son of God. I know, I know, he's he's the son of God. I know, I know. Don't have to tell me again and again. that he came and lived as a man. Yeah, 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 I know. But he came and lived as a man. You don't have to tell me again and again and again. Yes, he died for our sins. Yeah, yeah, I know. How many times you will tell me? I know that he died for us, for our sins. He died for your sins. No, 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 no not my sins. How come you don't believe that? Are you sure he died for my sins? I said yeah. He died for my sins. Immediately, the gospel hits him with such. Penetrating power, he starts crying right there. Weeping and weeping and weeping and repenting. You see the power of the gospel, how it can cause even the most hardened sinner to repent. Weeping and weeping and weeping. You know what he does later on? He says, I want to get baptized. He says, where do we get baptized? He takes the gun and he says, if you don't baptize me now, I'm going to shoot you. You see, that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the cross, the message of the cross. It is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. You see, just three lines from a, not three lines, one line from a song can save people, save in the arms of Jesus. That is the power of the gospel. You know what God does? He takes that word and breathes into us. And that's exactly what he did to the disciples. He breathed into them the Holy Spirit. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they all became born again. Why, these people who betrayed Jesus, Peter who betrayed and denied Jesus three times, one guy who just left his clock and ran away naked, all with fear and with guilt, he comes and says, receive the Holy Spirit. I died for your sin and I rose again. I paid it all. So what is God's plan for the spirit? The spirit has to be born again. But how is it born again? It is born again by receiving the word of God by faith, receiving the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that conviction of the Holy Spirit leads us to what we call as repentance. And then we become born again. That's exactly what happened to every one of us, right? I went to church over and over and over and over and over again for 18 years. One day I used to, I was dragged into a youth camp. That is when I heard the gospel the first time. Penetrated into my heart. And after that, never been the same. Yes, I failed several times, but I always came back. Never been the same. And all of us have experienced that. That's exactly what God does. He preaches to us the gospel and that gospel penetrates into the deep most parts of our inner man and connects us with God. Suddenly we are lightened and we see what we are in the light of God and his love also for us is shown towards us and we become born again. Our spirit needs to be born again. That is God's plan of salvation. How? By the preaching of the word of God. So uh, let me tell you something. If There is no message of the cross. There is no gospel. You see, that is the reason why we don't have converts. We have perverts. We have a set of people who think they are saved, but there was never a conviction of sin. There was never genuine repentance. And then what does it do? When the born again spirit becomes united, With God. You see what it happens. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit with him. The spirit is connected with the Spirit of the Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, Romans 7, verse 4 will say, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married, another translation to use the word, joined to another, even to, to Christ, so that you may bear fruit unto God. That is what God does. He causes our spirit to be born again, so that it can receive life from God. And that born again spirit can never be touched by anybody. Never be touched. But as I, as I said, the salvation is at three levels, right? We only know that no, we know that the salvation is at the level of the spirit we know that it has to be born again, but what about the soul? Second part, we come to the salvation at the level of the soul. How does the soul get saved? Now tell me in the rebellion, who made the decision to rebel? Answer the soul right soul decided, I will not do what God wants me to do. I will decide to myself what is right and what is wrong. It was the guilty party in all of this. That means the rebellion was caused by the soul. So what should the soul do now? What should rebels do? Derek Prince gives us a very interesting example. When the Allies during the Second World War entered into the uh, to, 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 to Germany, you know, they said, surrender. They said, what are the terms of the surrender? You know what they said? No terms. Unconditional surrender. So what should the soul do? Because it was the rebel, what should it do? Surrender. Unconditionally. No strings attached. The only way the soul can be saved is by unconditional surrender. The soul has to say, what does it say? I surrender all. All. <laughs> Sometimes we don't mean some songs that we sing. I surrender all. The soul has to surrender because the soul is the rebel. See, there's no other way for the soul to surrender, the soul to be saved. It has to surrender completely. That is in Psalms 106 verse 13 to 15. This is talking about the children of Israel who were saved in their spirit but they were rebels in their soul and this is what it says about them. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. This is Psalm 106 verses 13 to 15. But lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert and he gave them their request. But what happened to their soul? They sent leanness into their soul. They became more and more and more rebellious until so many of them perished in the wilderness. Okay? That is the reason why? I beseech you therefore, brethren, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice and do not be conformed to the... I didn't put that. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that which is... Perfect, pleasing and acceptable will of God. So what happens to the soul? Soul needs at three levels. It needs a transformation in the mind. It needs a submission of the will. And it it, it needs a purifying of its emotions. Transformation in the mind. Submission of the will. And the purifying of its emotions. Surrender completely. No strings attached. So what does God do? He says this to Peter. Peter says, who are you? Jesus asked him, who are you? What did did he say? Lord, you are the son of the living God. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter, but my father which is in heaven. That's exactly what happens to the spirit. When it gets regenerated, the revelation of God is given to the spirit and you get connected to God in worship. That is the reason why worship is so important for us. And worship is not 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. Worship is something totally different. You know, there's a very interesting word for worship in Greek. Worship comes from the word, there's a word in Greek, proskeneo. You know what proskeneo means? To kiss. It's a very intimate. Song of Solomon's, chapter 1, verse 1. Let me be kissed by the kisses of my lover. That's what it means. What, it's, what does uh, Psalm 2 say? Dash the sun. Kiss the sun. Lest he be angry. Have this intimate union and communion with your lover, the lover of your soul, that is what it means so this the spirit gets commu- has this con- connection with the God and the revelation of God in the spirit, but the soul has to surrender. but what happens to the soul? Ma- Matthew chapter sixteen? this is where most believers have a major problem. I've seen that over and over even in my own life to surrender. To surrender, really, to surrender. I remember the struggle that I went through for surrender. <laughs> week after week, Sunday after Sunday, month after month, year after year, there was a clear calling of God in my life. Clear, very clear. Very, very clear. I was putting away, not, not now, not now. So many issues are there, so many problems are there. I have to solve everything and come, come, then I'll come to you. God, you know what God says? Your problems will never be solved. Now is the time? Come right now or never? And I remember that day, no? John's Gospel chapter 4, verse 34. Four months. Finished. After that, surrender. So difficult. I'm telling you honestly, one of the most difficult things for believers to do is to surrender. That is the reason why they're so soulish. Soulish. Because their soul is very strong. Very difficult for them to surrender. Get rid of that relationship. No. I will hold on to it somehow, somewhere. That person will get saved. No. God says no. If you know that it is wrong, forget about it. Surrender. Very difficult. So that's the reason he says, "He get behind me, Satan. You know why? You're an offense to me. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. What, what does surrender mean? There's only one way the soul can surrender. It has to pick up the cross. That's the reason why it says, the next verse will say, Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his soul... Will lose his soul, but whoever loses his soul will save his soul. The only way for the soul to get saved is by surrendering completely. That is God's plan for the soul. So how does God teach us surrender? How does God teach us surrender? is a question how many of you want us to want to surrender now no? Think about it. Be very very careful when you're answering. If you want to really surrender, there's one very, very incredible gift God has given to the church to cultivate surrender in our lives. So that our soul can be saved. Do you know what that gift is? No. 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 Somebody said something. Huh? Okay. Okay. You got it because uh, Psalm 23. Let's repeat Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall, he makes me to, in, he leads me, then, he restores my soul by being my, what? Shepherd. The gift that God gives to the church to inculcate and to make them surrender is the gift of a shepherd. When he took captivity captive, he gave gifts to men. Some became, what, apostles, some became pastors, some became, some became prophets actually. Apostles, prophets, Third is shepherds, evangelists, teachers. What is there in the middle? Shepherd. That is an incredible gift. I'll tell you why this is so important for us. And it is significant. If you want to be saved in your soul, you have to somehow use the gift of the shepherd. Let us look at Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul and He leads me in the paths of righteousness for what does the soul want? I am important. And what does God do us? What does God do to the soul? He restores the soul, leads him in the paths of righteousness for, you know what the soul says? I am not important. Who's important? You are important. How does He do that? How does He do that? He uses two things. How? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. How? Because you are Rod. Are the Bettam? Rod and your staff. They comfort me now. The word comfort means uh, people say uh, comfort. Oh, yo God will come and say you so sad. No, no, no. That is not what comfort. Comfort means comes from the word comforte, parakleto. Come alongside and encourage. So what does he do? He takes the rod to discipline, and he takes the staff to protect. And comfort. That's exactly what a shepherd does. You know, whenever a sheep goes astray, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. You know what he does? Every shepherd, whenever a sheep is going astray, he does one thing. He goes there and he breaks its leg. Pop! And the sheep starts crying and weeping. You know what he does? He binds up the wound and he Puts the sheep on his shoulders and he carries. And what does the, what does the shepherd do? What does the sheep do? My heart! My heart! But he doesn't realize that the shepherd is carrying the sheep. You see, in our country, I mean at least, at least in Hyderabad, to become a part of a church is not that great because you have so many churches, so many shepherds. But if a man is becoming a Christian in a place where there's persecution, you know what? The shepherd has to preach a message and because of that message that fellow's life is at stake. And the shepherd becomes absolutely responsible for the flock now. He has to literally carry the flock on its, on his shoulders. The gift of the shepherd. And what does a shepherd use? He uses a rod and he uses a staff. Why does he use a rod? Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 10 verse 5. Woe to the Assyrian, the rod of my anger. <laughs> so he uses situations as a rod. So woe to your boss, the rod of God's anger. Woe to the husband, the rod of God's anger. Woe to the wife, the rod of God's anger. He is using somebody to teach you a lesson. Why? Because... Wait, I'll tell you why. Another place. Isaiah, sorry, uh, uh, Psalm 89, verse 30. If his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgressions with the rod and their iniquity with? Okay, bettam. And nice marks you will get on your body nevertheless my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him nor allow my faithfulness to fail. So what does God do in order to shepherd us? What does God do? He gives us shepherds. You need to understand that is the only way. Look at what it says in uh, Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 14 onwards. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you one from a city, two from a family. And I will bring to Zion. One from a city, two from a family, one from Nigeria. Sorry, two from Nigeria. Okay. Uh, several from Maluland. One from Gujarat. And Telugus. Bunch of Gultis and also illards. We have a cosmopolitan church. You know, I remember, I'll tell you honestly, you know, I, I remember, that I think I shared this joke sometime back in my, you know, in, uh, in our uh, church. Uh, I was there in uh, North India for a while in our campus. I was there in Haiti for two years. And in our campus, we have people from all over the country. So you have Bengalis, you have Malayalis, you have Tamilians, you have Gultis and Gulti batch is huge. Okay. And then you have the Bengali batch, which is huge. And you have a few Malus, and you have also Ilards and North Indians, everybody in a particular hostel. Okay? Why do they put us together in a hostel so that we can get integrated? National integration. Never happens. Okay? Never, 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 never happens. Never happens. The Hindi fellows will not learn. Telugu and Gultis will not learn Hindi. They will not learn Hindi at all. And then they, when they go for campaigning, one fellow will come and say, "Please, can you get some guilty votes for me?" It is in, in, incredible. There's so much of diversity in the campus, no unity at all. And, and then they'll never learn the language. But two years after they finish <laughs> coming to Kanpur, where they shoot the Hindi, those guys will come out without getting touched with Hindi. I remember one one of my batchmates. Oh, he was uh, our, our hostels are called halls. Hall 1, is hostel 1, hall 2, hostel 2, hall 3, hall 4, hall 5, hall 6, etc. And I was living in hall 4 and my, one of my batchmates, he was from, uh, I think he's from Kuntur. And you know Andras, they, they are Hindi, you know, right? Very well. Their Hindi is very, very nice and very should. So this guy got a, <laughs> he's laughing. This guy, this guy got a fever and he was admitted in the clinic. In the university. And the doctor is a Srivatsav, North India. Okay, they're all Chaturvedis and Srivatsavs, okay? Chaturvedi, Srivatsav, all the Sharmas, Shastris, they're all there. So one of the doctor's name is Chaturvedi, and my friend's name is Dhanu. He was there in the hospital bed, and uh, he was being treated, and this doctor came to Dhanu, and he looked at him, he said, Yaar Dhanu, kya hal hai? He looked at him and he said, hal four hai. Because he thought he was asking him which hall he belongs. Kya Hal hai? Half hai. And after that, it became a standard joke in our campus. And that fellow, he was called Half four. danu. That's so much to national integration. Okay, uh, our guy has gone to Pune, you know what I'm talking about, right? You have different people from different backgrounds, but they never get integrated. All the Gultis together, all the Bengalis together, all the, everybody in their own space. And during elections, they will come for each other's votes. You see, this is exactly, even in our own country, right? Oh, you are from North India, Hindi speaking belt. We are Dravidians. You are coming and influencing us. We pay all the taxes. No, no integration. You can forget about integration. But there is something that God does in the church. You know what he does? He brings one from a tribe, two from that place. It's amazing. He brings them all together and he makes them one. They all look alike. They smell like sheep. They only breathe like sheep. They can recognize one another, and they love one another. They all look like one another. It's very interesting, very, very interesting. I'm telling you honestly. Remember, I went to, I was traveling in a cab. This random cab driver looked at me and he said, "Are you a Malayali?" I said, "Really? <laughs> it's okay." The other day, I went to another meeting. Pastor James was sitting next to me. They looked at Pastor James. Uh, uh, "You're from uh where, Which place?" Uh, He asked Pastor James, and he looked at me and he said, I know you're from Kerala. I said, what? I, I said, I'm not. And I looked at Pastor James, see Pastor, empirical evidence. Something has happened. You see, we all, this is exactly what God does. Why? How does he achieve it? He gives us shepherds after his own heart, which will feed us. And what does a shepherd, what does he do? So what happens? How does therefore, in other words, how does restoration of soul happen in the context of being under a shepherd? It's a question, right? Huh? It's very interesting, no? Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter thirteen. Look at this, verse seventeen: Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your ah, they watch out for your psyche, because all are psyched out. And you're, I'm telling you honestly, you're depressed. I remember this pastor, no, this rabbi. This lady came to the rabbi. And she started pouring out all her problems and said, Pastor Rabbi, my husband is like this, my daughter is like this. (laughs) Cried and cried and cried and cried. After she poured out her heart, she she said, thank you so much Rabbi. Now my headache is gone. She said, he said, daughter, now I have the headache. (laughs) You see, that's exactly what a shepherd has to do. He has to take care of your psyche. They don't, they can't watch over your spirit. Spirit is God's problem because that is God conscious, but <laughs> they have to feed you so that they can restore your soul. How does transformation happen? By the renewing of the mind, by the preaching of the word of God, where he prepares a meal and feeds the flock so that he can continuously be cleansed in his mind and have the mind of Christ manifested in his life. He's actually a psychoanalyst. And that is the reason why, please be empathetic to your husbands who are pastors. Because they all sometimes get psyched out. Unbelievable. Sometimes I hear some problem, I'm like, I'm gone. For, for, for one day, what's going on, Lord? What's going? I, it's unbelievable. How it just gets into, it. and I look at the pastor, I said, pastor, how do you handle this? How do you handle it? You can handle, have you ever seen him in with pressure? As a cucumber. You see that? Tension. Why? It's something. He's taking care of your soul and he has to give an account. What should you do, therefore? Some. In other words, everybody in the church has to be accountable. Let me ask you something. Are you accountable? Are you accountable? Is. Look, think about it, no? Think about it, think about it, think about it. If you want to be promoted in your company, you have to be accountable to your boss. Yes or no? If you want to have good grades in your class, you have to be accountable to your teacher. You know, I remember, you know, when in my class, when I used to teach them, they used to ask me the question, sir, what is the syllabus? Now, you know what I used to say? Every word that comes out of my mouth, you are accountable. They are accountable. And if that guy takes me seriously in his one, he's going to do, he's going to listen to me as if his life is dependent upon that. He is going to answer every assignment, do every project because he needs a grade. He has to be accountable to me if he wants to get a good grade. Now think about it. If that is true in your secular space, how much more true it has to be in the spiritual space? And how few people are actually accountable? Now think about it. Now think about it. How many of you are accountable to your elders? Think about it. You don't have to show your hands. Where you constantly give feedback. This is what is happening to my life. This is where I'm going wrong. This is what I'm doing. This is what is going on. Where you are constantly coming under mentorship. How many of us do it on a regular basis? You see? So you think that is accountability is not important. Because you're foolish. You're not sheepish. And, and and to the shepherds, this is very interesting, important to the shepherds, a warning. First Peter chapter 5, this is what he shares, t- tells the shepherds. First Peter chapter 5, look at what he says. The elders who are among you, I exhort you. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also the partaker of the glory that will be revealed. What should you do? Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not as being lords over those who those who are interested to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will not fade away. Oh boy, look at that. If I really, really finish this, I will get one special crown. Con- separate from all of you. <laughs> and if you also become a pastor, also pastor's wives also, I think they'll get crowns, because they have to put up with the psycho. You see, when the chief shepherd <laughs> appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. You know why Peter had this this, this consciousness of being a shepherd? Remember, what is the final commandment given to the church? Go into all the world and make... Where is that written? Matthew chapter 28. Mark chapter 16. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, etc. Luke... Go and wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from above and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea. But what is the last for John's gospel? Peter, come here. Do you love me? John's gospel chapter 21. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. What did he say? Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. There'll be chota 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 lambs in your, in your church. Okay. Go down to their level and teach them. Feed my lambs. That's exactly what pastor keeps telling me. Vijay, you teach at this level. Please come down here. There are so many people who will not understand what you're saying because you're preaching some things. Sometimes it is bouncers. And I said, Pastor, I'm working. I'm I'm sorry if I messed up today. I'm still working on that. Okay, just be patient with me. Just pray for me. Feed my lambs. Come down to their level. Feed my lambs. And then again, next question. Next question. Simon, son of Jonah. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Tend my... Take a dunda and tend the big fellows. And after you tend them, what do you do? Feed my sheep. So what should you do? Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. So what am I doing? Hopefully feeding the lambs among you, tending the sheep and also feeding. I hope it's happening. You know why? That is the gift God has given to the church so that you can have a restoration in your soul. Submission to authority. That is how you surrender. How can you surrender to a God whom you cannot see without surrendering to a shepherd whom you can see? How can you be accountable to a God whom you cannot see without being accountable to somebody whom you can see? Let me ask you this question. Why is this important? Why is this important? John's gospel, chapter 10, verse 4. This is talking about the shepherd. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they, what? Know his voice. They know his voice. Let me ask you this question. Do you know the voice of your shepherd? Do you know the voice of your shepherd? Do you hear his voice? Honestly, to me, even in my dreams, I hear pastors scolding me. Vijay, what is that? Oh yes, it's very important for me. Very, very important. You know something? God speaks to you through the authority that He has placed over your life. That's exactly what happens to Eli and Samuel. First, Samuel, Samuel, where does he run? To Eli! Because he hears the voice of God like the voice of Eli. The question is, let me ask you this question. Do you know the voice of your shepherd? Do you know his voice? Are you accountable to him? Are you distant from him? Even in our own church. You know this, very, very interesting. One man of God said, proximity builds empathy. Distance builds suspicion. What? Say that again? proximity builds empathy, distance builds suspicion. And you know what happens? The more you go away from accountability, you become more and more what? Suspicious. The more and more you're close together, the more and more empathetic you become. Do you know his voice? Are you accountable? Let me ask you this question. We have brothers and sisters here. How many of your sisters are accountable to the pastor? Honestly, accountable to the pastor, meaning you, you speak to him and you get mentored by him. How many of you conveniently avoid him? I know many of you come conveniently avoid. It's accountability. That is where the whole crux of the matter lies. It is accountability. Verse 20, 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never, never perish. Nobody can snatch them out of them. You know, this, this promise is given not to gods; It is given to sheep who are accountable. Nobody can snatch me. Uh-uh, are you a sheep? Once saved, always saved. Okay. Are you a sheep? Are you accountable? Do you get the rod and the staff? Do you get correction? How do you take correction? See how important this is? And you have in the church so many people who are not actually accountable. You can never trust them for anything. Okay. That is God's plan for the soul for restoration. You know what? If the spirit is taken care of and the soul is taken care of, what do what we hear? The body goes where the Mind has already gone. You see, you don't have to worry about the mind. The moment you start getting fed by the word of God, you know what is going to happen? This is what's going to happen. Romans chapter six. But God be thanked that though you were once slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, which was delivered to you. You were fed by the doctrine through the, through the preaching of the word of God. And having been set free from sin, you became what? Slaves of righteousness. How did you become slaves of righteousness? Look at what he says. The next one. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented the what? The members of your body as instruments of lawlessness. Submit the members of your body as instruments of righteousness. Automatically. The mind has been set clear. What happens? The body follows where the mind has already gone. You don't have to worry about the mind. Worry about about the body. In fact, you know what God says? If your soul is saved, and if you have surrendered completely, at least to the best of your ability, I will take care of your body. You don't have to worry about your body. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Body for the Lord, the Lord is for the body. Finished. You surrendered to God, especially your tongue. The most important member in our body is our tongue. It is the rudder, as they say. It literally directs your spiritual destiny. Literally. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. If this has been touched, this instrument has been tackled, everything in your body is tackled. If you can control your mouth, you can control your body. And then what happens? If you control the body, if you surrender, to the, if, if the Lord is for the body, the body is for the Lord. You know what? You don't have to worry about sickness. You know, God says, I will be your insurance policy. What? I will be your insurance policy. Okay? We don't have to take ICSA Lombard. Okay? This is it says in Isaiah chapter 33 verses 24 and 22. And no inhabitant will say, I am sick. Why? Because the Lord is my judge. The Lord is my lawgiver. The Lord is my king. The Lord is for the body. The body for the Lord You will never fall sick without God's permission, without God's purpose. That does not mean, you know what God will do? Exercise regularly. I bought a watch, which calculates the number of steps. Because, you know, my pastor, is also running like anything. He is running what 110-story uh, buildings, and at 50-plus age, when we are all in our 30s and we can't even run five kilometers, so start using your body for the Lord. Exercise regularly so that God can use it. He says you're you're covered. Then what happens? Once you have surrendered your body. Once you have been completely saved, you know what is gonna God go, what is going to give you? Matthew chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious thrones, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will ship separate the people from one another as a ship, sep, shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right and the goats to the left. Who are the goats? The rebels. The soulish. Sheep on the right, the souls on the left. So soulish and the sheepish. And what? And what does he tell to the sheeps? Look at what he says to the sheeps. Very interesting. The king will say to those who are on the right, Come, you who are blessed of my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me. And he will say, I indeed Needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you? And needing clothes and clothe you? When did you see us sick and in prison did we visit you? And you know what he says? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. You know what happens to all the sheep? They start loving one another. They come together. Start becoming empathetic to one another. They will start looking after each other's needs, especially the household of God. As I said, proximity builds empathy; distance builds suspicion. But on the other hand, he will reply, "I tell you, whatever you did to did not do for least of these, my brethren. This was a sheep to the to the uh, to the uh, goats. You did not do it unto me." Then. They will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous unto eternal life. You know, how does Psalm 23 end? Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is complete salvation. Salvation to the uttermost. So are you a sheep today? Are you accountable? Are you dis, are you disciplinable? <laughs> if I can use that word, can you be disciplined? Can you be corrected? Can something harsh be spoken to you? Are you looking for correction? You know, I want to end with a sermon with this with this incredible, powerful warning, Psalm ninety-five. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. That is connection of the spirit. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So if you are the sheep of his hand, what should you do? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Don't don't become rebels. Do not harden your hearts. I believe that I spoke to at least a few of you, if not all of you. You know, so many of us have so many problems. I'm sure several going through real, real tough times. But God has only one solution to every problem. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? You know what? The word, word is not there in the original. It says, whatever issues out of God, man shall live by that. Which is essentially his word. And today, if you have heard his voice, do not harden your heart. Some of you, I don't know if you're really born again. Or some of you have been have backslidden so badly like that, like that guy who betrayed and betrayed trust and broke fellowship and ran away. Ran away. You know what? Even to that man, the message of the cross still speaks. You can come back, surrender, and live for God. You know, one of the things that I've observed over a period of time, and I was there, I'm, I'm in the church for 11 years now, 11 years, 12 years with pastor. 12 years I was associated with pastor. One of the things that I've observed To walk with God, there should be consistent, constant accountability. And I've seen people who had tremendous potential and promise. Tremendous. They would not be accountable. And you know what? The automatic effect, they all fell away. All. I've seen that happening with my own eyes. I tell pastor, you know what I tell pastor? Pastor, this is the key. I make it a point every day in the morning to go and spend time with him. Every day. I I have spent time with my God, my shepherd there. I spend time with my shepherd here. Spend time. You know, I'm not saying that you should do it like me because I am involved in the preaching ministry. But you know what? All of us have to take regular times. Don't say he's too busy. You know what? I hear this common. He's too busy. You don't want to meet. Because you know, if you meet him, (laughs) you know what's coming. You don't want to meet. You conveniently avoid. You know what happens over a period of time? Let me tell you honestly. You will all have a form of godliness, but there will be no power. All have a form of godliness, but no power. So let's all stand up in the house of God this morning. You have a few minutes. Can we all sing that song? The last song that we sang. Through it all. Through it all. Rishi and the team. If you can come and lead us in song. We will worship. You can come back today. If you are back there's hope. As long as we are alive, there is hope. As long as our ears are open, there is hope. Let's sing that song. and Let's worship. And then we'll pray. Even as they sing that song, you might have strayed because of whatever reason, tough situations, tough circumstances, whatever it is. Never, never, you know why I always remember one admonition, my exhortation, one of my, one of my mentors gave. Which he said, Vijay, you can fall a million times, but don't leave fellowship. Don't leave fellowship. Don't leave fellowship. Doesn't matter how much you have sinned. You know that guy, he murdered his own family and his friends, but he could come back to the Lord. How much more you and I. Let's pray. Let's sing. gives lectures you're not coming to a person who does not empathize with our failures and with our situations with our problems and with our trials and with our difficulties scripture says Jesus was God and he was made like a man little lower than the angels and for our sake He tasted death so that he could be a merciful and a faithful high priest. And he was tempted in every area and he did not sin. And he empathizes with us. He was the shepherd but he became a lamb so that he could experience what we go through. and he says I am a shepherd I am not a hireling I am the good shepherd I lay down my life for my sheep and I am interested in you I want you to be accountable not because I want to pull you up and embarrass you or put you down no never I am interested in you Because I am a shepherd. I am a father. I want my children to be beside me. Where I am. They will also be. He disciplines us. So that we may be made partakers of his holiness. He has the best. For us. He says the thoughts that I have for you. Thoughts to prosper you. Thoughts not to harm you. Thoughts to give you a hope. Thoughts to give you a future. Thoughts to give you a, a desire. An expected end. Not only in this life. But in the life to come. And this morning. If you have fallen away from him. Backslidden. Come back this morning. Come to the to the, to the foot of the cross. And look up to him. And say Lord forgive me forgive me Lord he says if you are if you confess your sins he is faithful and just and the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all your unrighteousness and he will give you a righteous standing with God you can be restored this morning you continuously can be restored so many of us who got baptized recently I want to encourage you brothers and sisters to neglect fellowship. Don't neglect the assembly of the saints. Don't neglect the teaching of the word. That is what saves you. That is what keeps you. That is what restores you. Let's ask God this morning to teach us accountability. That we will be a set of people who will be under authority. will be subject knowing that our shepherds watch over our souls oh father this morning father we confess with david we say lord you are our shepherd and we will not want yes lord we might have gone through the valley of the shadow of death some of us gone through terrible situations but lord just like paul father everyone might have forsaken but lord you stood beside us and strengthened us you said no one can pluck my sheep out of my hand lord i pray father for my brothers and sisters and including myself Oh, father father we want to come back to the shepherd of our souls oh father we want to eat at your table we want to be fed from the food that is that you prepare for us oh lord So that you can cause us to walk in the paths of righteousness. So that we can glorify your name on this earth. Oh father. Enable us just not to exist. Enable us not to fight you. Enable us to surrender. Father some of us have gone through real 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 trials. But I pray father even as we sang. Through it all. We confess lord you were with us even when we went astray you said a shepherd even if one goes astray he will leave that 99 father we were that lost sheep O Lord, and you came after us that is the testimony of everyone sitting in this congregation here this morning you came after me straight away from fellowship you came searching for me you looked for And you gave me shepherds after your own heart who fed me with your word who restored my soul. I'm grateful O Lord for all the men of God you have placed over my life. I thank you Father for the shepherd that you have placed over our lives. Enable us Lord Father not to grieve them knowing that it will not be that it will not go well with us. Enable us to stay close to the shepherd. Enable us to close, stay close with one another. Oh, Father. We come to the shepherd of our soul this morning. Restore us this morning. Restore us, O oh Lord. Restore us, O oh Lord. This morning, just lift up your voice and just confess. 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 Lift up your voice. Say, Lord, I come back to you. Come back to you, Lord. Come back to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, even as we go back to our homes this morning, I pray, Father, that the word will continue to minister to us, O Lord. It will touch the deep most recesses of our heart. Separate the spirit and the soul. And show us the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Father, as David said, Father, Lord, search me and try me. Know my heart. Search my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the paths of everlasting life. That is our prayer this morning, O oh Lord. And if you have heard your voice, we do not want to harden our hearts this morning. Oh, Jesus. We don't want to play games, O oh Lord, with you. The time is short. We want to come back to you, Father. Father. Thank you, Father, for this time. We bless you, Lord. We praise you. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.